0: Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast, where each week we talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the stories you can find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for the Peninsula Pulse. How's it going, Miles? Going good, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Uh, We've got ourselves kind of a a short news week, some pretty important stories to cover, but uh, we'll get in and out here pretty quickly. Why don't we jump right in, uh, and we'll talk about the decision on the Quarry RV Park. So we've been following this story for a while now. Uh... Last week, I believe, you had one of the longest meetings of your life, and uh, they they tabled the discussion for this week, and now we finally have our, our maybe final decision. Tell us uh, about what went down.
1: Yeah, um, I, I guess it would be the final decision of this round, is what I would call it. The Door County Resource Planning Committee voted to deny the application for a conditional use permit for the developers of what would be a 117-unit home and RV park, development. That's uh, 115 of those units would have had the ability to build a, a home on that lot for about of up to about 2,400 square feet. So what the RPC was deciding at, at the meeting this week was whether they have to go through um, when, an, when an applicant applies for a conditional use permit, there's 17 provisions they have to um, satisfy that committee that they're going to comply with to execute the, the project And so they go through each one of those points. It's kind of a laborious meeting. They just check them all off. And one of the main ones was the impact it would have on neighboring property values. It's incumbent upon the developer to prove that they're not going to have a negative impact on surrounding property values and satisfy the committee's expectation there. The RPC decided, that committee said, voted four to one, that they did not prove that. They had kind of came down to like competing studies. So the the developers had surveyed similar parcels. And by similar, they mean like luxury RV communities like this. Um, There are none in Wisconsin that are comparable. So they used some surveys of real estate values around similar ones in surrounding states, particularly in Michigan, that said that it did not negatively impact those values. However, those those particular parks weren't really that comparable to this neighborhood. They were parks that were built in light industrial areas, off main highways, by car dealerships, or they were parks built in heavily forested areas. None of them were built in an established single-family residential neighborhood. So there, the committee had a lot of questions about whether or not that was really comparable to what was being proposed here. Right. So there were many claims um not like substantial but the i think the opponents presented enough evidence to say yeah there's a pretty good chance that this is going to be have a negative impact on our property values the they also a couple of the other big points that they looked at was whether it fit into the scenic nature of the the neighborhood as it exists today and even though that property is zoned recreational commercial and even though it's an old quarry that's looked like that for a long time That surrounding neighborhood is all single family homes on like half acre to one and a half acre lots. Uh, This development would have much smaller lots, much denser development. And so they determined that it did not fit into the surrounding area. And then they decided it did not fit into the existing comprehensive plan of either the town or the county. Those are kind of the three main points they stuck to in making their decision to
0: deny the permit. Right. Right. I learned very recently what a conditional use permit actually is. So I guess what I thought it was before was like, if you wanted to do something with a property that was outside the normal limits of what the property was zoned for, you would file for a conditional use permit. But what it actually is, is it's in order to use the property, you have to comply with certain conditions, correct? Correct. When does a conditional use permit actually trigger, like for every development or just certain ones? Just certain ones.
1: So, in uh, in most t- communities, it's it's they define that what when you when you push into a conditional use permit. Like years ago, a subway proposal, uh, a subway, uh, not an actual subway, the Dork County restaurant. subway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, a subway restaurant proposal was uh, on the docket for the Village of Sister Bay, and as they were debating that for a really long time, some heated meetings, uh, a lot of controversy at the time because people were vehemently against it. When push came to shove, the village administrator at the time, Bob Cuffrin, was looking at the plan and suddenly realized, wait a minute, you have a, this plan has a drive through window, correct? Yes. Well, if you have a drive through window, that puts you into the conditional use permitting process. So all of this is a moot point. We have to go through a totally different process. Right. That alone, the conditional use permit process, that will put a little fear in developers because then it opens it up to a lot of public input, a little subjectivity on what they can do say, to deny a project. And so in that case, that was the final straw with the, the people who wanted to build a subway uh, fast food chain at the time. Interesting. In other cases, like you don't always need a conditional use permit to build a house. You know, that would be very cumbersome. Conditional use permit requires that you have a public hearing. In this case, when you're under county zoning, it requires that you have a hearing at the town level before the plan commission. It requires the town board to review it and then it goes to the county. So you can see how that can become a a big hurdle for a developer who wants to build a major project. Usually these apply to new uses in a community that didn't exist before or things that might have dramatic impacts on neighboring community or large-scale projects like this. This would be 115 units. That would be just about the largest condominium development in the county. I think that's on par with North Haven up in Fish Creek. Uh, So they're So there is a lot of merit to giving this heavy scrutiny.
0: Well, and they did too. How many hours did you add up from beginning to end do you think it took to get to the final decision?
1: Town plan commission, town board, public hearing, final RPC meeting, 22 hours. Just of public meetings, not counting. I talked to some of these uh, RPC members who said they put in anywhere from 20 to 35, maybe 50 hours of their own research, because this was the largest packet that they had ever been presented with. 1,400 pages of documentation, uh, a lot of different testimony, which then they have to ask questions of to verify or do research on their own to see like, all right, this guy might have said that and presented this survey, but I gotta, I have to check to see if this is valid or what's this guy's qualifications to be telling me this evidence. And, you know, there's, in this case, you know, to put it in perspective, all of us can say, like, oh, I don't like that development. That doesn't look good, or that doesn't fit here, or it's not as quaint as I want my village to be, as we like to say up here. But when they are reviewing these, they have to look at imagine trying to be an expert in stormwater quality, wastewater management, urban development, architecture, textural design, blasting, crushing stone, health and public safety impacts of crushing all that rock and the dust particles, not to mention traffic studies and pedestrian thoroughfares. There's just so many aspects. That when you're on one of those committees, you have to vet as best you can before you approve or deny a permit.
0: Quick sidebar before we kind of wrap this conversation thread up. I've heard the subway story a couple of times now. Do you think that if it weren't for that drive-through, it might have actually made its way through?
1: There was no way for the—my memory, this is 10, 12 years ago, but— if my memory serves me right, I don't think there was a way for them to say no. There were ways for them to like kind of massage that project and say like, all right, we don't, like a community can say like, we're not going to let you put up a, a backlit neon sign or a backlit sign or a neon sign. Or, um, you can give some architectural review depending on how that village has set its ordinances. But I don't think
0: the village could have said no to it. I think that that's really funny because I've never, ever seen a subway with a drive through in it. Have you? The one in Sturgeon Bay does have a drive through window.
1: I don't know that it actually, they serve out of there. I'm, I'm not familiar. I can't um, even
0: imagine ordering a Subway sandwich through a drive through right? Because it's like, what do you want on it? It's like, I don't remember what all the options are. I guess you could order a, a standard one in advance. But the, the Subway in Sturgeon
1: Bay used to be a, um, was it a Chili John's or a Taco John's? Taco John's. Taco John's. And then the, which is kind of funny because the other fast food sub station down there used to be uh, Taco
0: Bell. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can't imagine going through the drive through to get a subway because I always I I've probably eaten subway a thousand times in my life. I've never ordered a pre-made sandwich. I always make my own sandwich. Yeah. I've, I've never ordered pre-made either. <laughs> right. I, I just think it's so funny that like if it weren't for this one weird thing that like not all subways have anyway. We could have a subway. In yeah, a I'm day. kind of
1: surprised that they, I mean, at that point, they might have just, the, the developers may have just felt like this wasn't worth it. There's so many people that vehemently, again, I mean, people were borderline in tears testifying against that at the time, um, largely just for the impact it might have on a lot of the ma and Pa places that most people would argue make this place unique. Uh, so, it was it was a uh, some of the most well attended meetings um, and most testimony that I've I've heard at any Sister Bay meeting anyway. Were you
0: covering the meetings at the time? Yeah. I, I'm imagining the headlines were like community brought to their knees by sandwiches. It was actually the, the news on this. The
1: Journal Sentinel even covered that story. Because it was a big question of whether this is going to change your county, like finally chains making their way in, um, which I I mean, I agree with that. I think it'd be a big deal. And I also just rather prefer every dollar that we can possibly spend in our neighbors, restaurants and stores is a better dollar spent. Right. right. It's, it's staying here. And, you know, if, if each dollar that's mean 10 cents more circulate amongst us instead of getting siphoned up to some corporate realm that we'll never see, that we'll never donate to our local charities. Um,
0: so, I mean, I have my... My leaning in that in that sense, but sure. and even even just beyond the buy local thing, I would rather get a sub from Sub Express or Bailey's Fifty Seven than Subway if I had the option. They just they make really good sandwiches. They do, yeah. <laughs> so is this the final word on the Quarry RV Park? I don't think so. I talked to the developers afterward.
1: It could be the final version of this proposal. They they do have the right to appeal. Uh, there can go to the county board of adjustment and kind of rehear all of this. They Even if they say no, they could then go to court. So there's, there's several levels. And I think the opposition would probably be willing to go to court with them. <laughs> but they can also do a lot of stuff on that property
0: without a conditional use permit. You had mentioned this yesterday to me, and I was kind of confused by it. So I- explain what you mean by they could just do things right away. Well, just
1: like I could go and pull a permit to build a single family home if if that were what uh, was allowed on a certain lot. There are certain things that they are allowed to do. It's recreational, commercial. They could get a permit from my understanding is they could apply for a permit. And if the DNR signed off on it, they could start blasting as soon as they got that permit without going to any sort of public hearing without having to get the input from the neighbors in the surrounding community, they could do a pretty dense development. I believe what the uh, developer said was they they can build up to something like 376 bedrooms on that property without going to a conditional use permit. So that would be roughly 30% more bedrooms than... Than the baseline that they had proposed with this one, so they, they could do a lot of single family homes. They could do a condo development. There's a lot of things that are possible for them on that property. And in talking to some of the opponents, I I believe that's news to them. So this could be a whole new fight that gets retrenched right. uh, if they come back. They do have they uh, Mike Parent to tell me that they do have a business plan drawn up for a different over the counter permit that they could get on that property.
0: How many lots were proposed for the initial? 117. Could they just file for 117 single-family home permits?
1: <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, it's I, I don't think so because I think you'd have to... I know in Egg Harbor, they have a minimum lot size for a single-family home of 1.5 acres. In certain areas of the county, they have heartland zoning. That's five acres or 10 acres, that kind of thing. I don't know what it is on that particular parcel for recreational commercial. Um,
0: I have a hunch it's less than 1.5 acres, but I, I don't know. Well, We will keep track of this story as it continues, if it does indeed continue, and we'll keep everybody updated. But why don't we go to a break, Miles, and then when we come back, you had a really interesting conversation recently about coronavirus. It's something that's been in the news for about a month, two months now, pretty heavily, and it's not something that I ever even considered coming to Door County, but there's always a chance, especially as a tourist community. We, we open ourselves up. Uh, you, you had a conversation about Door County's risk levels, and we'll, we'll jump into that when we get back. Grace, there is nothing that I love more than lighthouses and state parks.
1: Oh my gosh, no way, me too.
0: I just wish that there was, I don't know, some sort of way that I could capture my love for those things in a physical way that maybe I could put on the wall or something.
1: Well, you are in luck, my friend. If you visit dorkcountypulse.com shop, you can find exactly
0: those items. You mean we actually put together a series of state park posters and an incredible collection of lighthouses all in one piece of artwork that you can buy online? That we did, Andrew. That we did. I didn't know that we had an online shop. What else can I get there? You can also buy some Pulse stickers, Door County Living stickers.
1: You can subscribe to Door County Living or the Peninsula Pulse if you are not in Door County. You can buy our annual Door Wedding Guide. And you can also buy uh, Lighthouse postcards if you do not want the full poster but might want to add a little something-something in your gift package.
0: I'm looking at the shop right now and i just noticed that we have peninsula pulse hats with the dog logo and everything grace i think i am sold where can i go to find all of this stuff one more time
1: www.dorkcountypulse.com slash shop
0: okay we are back so coronavirus obviously a hot button issue. It, we've been talking about it for a long time. I never thought about it at a local level. I figured I'm in Wisconsin. I mean, I'm not in New York or a port or overseas. I'm not traveling. I feel like my risk factor for coronavirus is relatively low. Then you mentioned to me that as a tourist destination, it does make sense, right? We're getting people from all over the country coming in. Right. Uh, you had a conversation recently with who? Uh, Sue Powers at the Door County Department of Public Health and I had
1: called her just to say, hey, what's what's the situation in Door County? Do we have any cases here that we should be aware of? Uh, what's the precautions that you are urging people to take? She understandably cannot comment on any specific cases and confirm or deny that we have any. But what she could say is, Door County's risk level is still low, a very low risk level, which I assume would mean if we had in a place like this on this peninsula, if there were say ten people who had been exposed to the virus overseas or elsewhere in the u.s that would probably elevate our risk level pretty high because we're sitting on this peninsula (laughs) you're kind of stuck but so indications are we we do not have a high risk level here but just like everywhere they're urging caution amongst everybody we do have one confirmed case in the state of wisconsin that location has not been disclosed and they are communicating every day uh with the cdc Gets their information. If there is a traveler that comes into the United States, they're flagged by the CDC. If they don't show symptoms, they are allowed to continue traveling, but they they notify the Wisconsin Public Health Department, and that department then notifies Door County, and that happens really quickly. It's right. not it's not like a all right, we sent a letter. And then we sent a letter and it's five days later and 19 people have the virus. Yeah.
0: Yeah, And that's what I find so interesting is like there's an entire chain of command that springs into action anytime somebody comes into the country. Is that correct? That's how it's supposed to work. Now, there has been
1: a lot of talk at the national level. I'm no expert, but from what the reports say is there has been some confusion about how to handle this at uh, an Air Force base, in which case it may not have been handled correctly. But when it works well, that's it trickles down. Uh, correctly, and then we have if that person traveled to Door County, the local public health department is then charged with monitoring that person. So they would contact that person when they're here in Door County and check in, find out if they're showing any symptoms, check back in in a couple of days, see if they're still symptom-free, and just monitor that situation. If that person were to start showing symptoms, the pu- local public health department would could take several measures. You would quarantine that as a kind of a voluntary quarantine, where this person would be encouraged and told not to to go out in public, not to go to work, and stay in their home, get treatment, or go to the hospital, get treatment. If this person were in a a very serious uh, health situation, they would have, and, and if that person were to say, like, refuse to go to the hospital, or refuse to follow orders, they could actually put that person in jail to quarantine them.
0: Right. Now, is that when you say put them in jail, do you mean hold them in jail or do you, you mean hold like, them in jail? I should say yeah. they're
1: not getting arrested for being sick, but right. they would be like that would be an option. And most, as Sue Power said, people up here generally would comply. They don't want to <laughs> infect everybody else. Yeah. So that's that's not probably a realistic scenario that's worth a lot of our our airtime. But um, they they would have that option if right. in an extreme case.
0: So what were some of the uh, what was some of the advice that you were given just in terms of how to pre- prevent uh, exposure or minimize your risk factors?
1: Well, what Sue said is, she said, honestly, I'm still way more concerned about the common flu than I am about coronavirus. Like, taking it seriously, we're informed, we're in communication with the health department and the CDC. But the flu has infected 2,100 people or hospitalized 2,100 people in the state of Wisconsin this flu season. Three of those were pediatric patients who actually died of just the regular flu. Right now, the regular flu and the and the coronavirus have pretty much the same symptoms. So, and then preventing them are are very similar steps as well. Wash your hands, wash surfaces that you're routinely touching, uh, keep your cell phone clean, keep your keyboards clean, um, that kind of thing. And when you cough, cough into your sleeve and take all the measures that you can to avoid getting sick just like you would in any common Flu or
0: cold season. What about masks? I feel like people are recommending masks, which excites me because I'm really into Japanese streetwear, and I think that that's kind of a cool, just fashion thing. It, it's sad that they have to wear them in you know Asian countries because the air pollution is so bad, but it is a really cool look. Is a mask advised? They.
1: So what Sue Power said is, and I, I'm no expert in this either, so I would lean on what she told me, which is that if you are infected. If you do have the flu or the coronavirus, a mask is something you should wear if you must go out in public to prevent spreading it to other people.
0: It's better at keeping it in than preventing it from coming in.
1: Yes. She said there's not much evidence at all to show that wearing a mask and can prevent you from getting sick if you aren't sick, but you can help
0: other people not get sick if you are so, It does look cool, though. I mean, that's debatable. Debatable. <laughs> I, I'm talking like high fashion masks. I'm not talking like your blue, like, painting mask or All anything right. like that. Uh, did she mention uh, when the bridges would go up? Yeah. Then they do have a
1: plan that is part of the emergency management plan. No, um. It is interesting, though, to as I was talking to her post 9-11, like pre 9-11, there weren't a lot of these um, interagency emergency management plans in place. In fact, that was one of the things that came up after 9-11 was when they realized that they they didn't have ways in a massive emergency like that for police, fire department, emergency medical staff, the public health department to all communicate in rapid fashion. Um, And so post 9-11, then we had some of these drills up in Door County like um, it's say, chemical spills or chemical attack kind of mock disasters. And part of that was just to train all these different departments how to interact in the case of something like that. A mass shooting, a bomb. But the so the emergency the the emergency department or emergency management services communicates with with all these agencies now. So they do have an emergency preparedness plan set up that would go into action if coronavirus or anything like that became a, a more serious issue up here.
0: Right. These stories are so fascinating to me because you, you hear about these big international issues, but I don't know if I always think about how they affect us in a, a local community. And just hearing about that hierarchy of like that that chain of command that goes and, and rapid fire to to get all the way from point of entry all the way to Door County, I think is just it's fascinating. And it's something that I don't even think about on a day to day. Like I, I had no idea that something like that was even in place. Uh, but it totally makes sense that it would be for something like this. Yeah. I mean, I remember sitting around after
1: nine eleven and thinking, well, we're we're pretty safe here. We got no worries. And then like, what would they ever what would anybody ever want to attack here? And then we were like, well, there is the nuclear plant down in Kiwani County. OK, now I'm kind of scared. <laughs> so, right. so you see how like all these things are. And, and there's probably some uh, strategy to spreading those things around the country when just a. For diversification's sake but um yeah I mean everything everything gets local eventually
0: well I think that that's just about all the time we have for this week miles thank you for coming in and chatting with me Uh, be sure to check out doorcountypulse.com by the way we've been putting up a bunch of like new video stuff recently Uh, we've been releasing uh, some of the stuff that Filmworks did for Destination Door County last year we shot 50 restaurant videos and we've been releasing them on the Door County Pulse website uh, the last couple of weeks those are really cool to check out Uh, but we've also just been doing different videos Videos for certain things Celeste wrote in the pulse this week about her first time cross-country skiing and we captured some cool images from that um, you in the pulse this week talked about your visit to Bay ship it was the first time that you had toured the facilities we've released videos on the winter fleet before so you can kind of see that uh, on the ground perspective of actually being in front of these giant ships uh, so definitely check it out there's a video tab on the website if you haven't checked our videos out recently Go take a look at them. We're also on YouTube at Door County Pulse. Uh, so just check out some of the video content that we've been doing lately. We've kind of ramped up our production of stuff, so there's a bunch of new stuff for you to check out. Uh, with that, Miles, I will talk to you again soon and uh, have a good weekend. Thank you, Andrew. Great talking to you. These stories and more will be available in this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, available throughout Door County. For more headlines, visit DoorCountyPulse.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast for your weekly Pulse picks, interviews, and exclusive content from the Peninsula Pulse. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.